The Heat squandered a 16-point lead to lose by four to the shorthanded Nets, and Miami is running out of excuses. We try to stay positive on this show, and it's only game five of a long season. But at what point do you ignore the small sample size and accept that Miami has a genuine problem that can't be fixed? We break down the game, what went wrong, and answer your questions on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Russ Goldberg. Joining me as always is David Mill. However you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. So uh, at some point in the third quarter, we're here at Kaseya Center watching the Heat uh, lose to the Brooklyn Nets, but it wasn't that way the entire time. The Heat were basically nursing a 10-point-ish lead for most of this game. They had opened up a 16-point lead in the second quarter, a 15-point lead they had in the third quarter. At some point, I just turned to you and I say, <laughs> on Media Row, I go, what, what are the odds that this is just going to be an easy win? Uh, and, and we could just, it'd be a nice, fun, smooth, just chilling recap. We could just sit here, sit back in these chairs and be like, yeah, that was just a nice regular season win to start November. Uh, and you said zero, you said there was 0% chance that that was what was going to happen. David, you correctly guessed the future. You predicted it. Uh, maybe not so much thinking that they were going to lose this game in disastrous fashion, but that's exactly what happened. They get outscored 34 to 22 in that fourth quarter. Um, the Heat dropped to one and four on the season. You pointed this out to me off air. They're a Cade Cunningham three pointer in that season opener away from being 0 and five, right? And so I think before I, I want to talk about what this means broadly to the Miami Heat and whether or not it's time to panic. And we've got questions about that later on. We'll hand out blame pie later on in the show as well. But just in terms of this particular game what do you think went wrong in that second half i don't think it was just the second half to be honest with you i think miami was playing a little bit with fire in the first half and i really think that brooklyn was struggling with their own offense and that was a big part of it now you can say that certainly miami's defense might have been a little bit better their offense was just good enough but it's not like the flow of their their offense was exceptional they weren't executing well or anything like that brooklyn was turning the ball over a lot They weren't hitting their shots, and Miami was able to capitalize to some degree in order to build that lead. Again, they weren't pulling away. They weren't being a powerhouse or anything like that, and they just weren't dominating what was a shorthanded team. They were missing their starting center, and Nick Claxton, uh, Cam Thomas, who has been shooting. Oh, Cam Cam Johnson, excuse me. He was out as well. No Spencer Dinwiddie. No Spencer Dinwiddie. So they were missing some key players there in Miami, and they looked like they were a team that was kind of falling apart and trying to figure themselves out. Miami was able to win that battle early on, Credit in the second half, Brooklyn was able to figure it out, and Miami was a team that was falling apart, as we've seen them do for the past couple of seasons. So I didn't think there was anything that stood out in the second half. Uh, Missed shots, turning the ball over, really sloppy, took their foot off their gas, effort, consistency, execution. Yeah. Pretty simplistic, but that's basically what it was. The Heat's fourth quarter problems are are a real concern. They've been now outscored by – 
I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it's 30 something points now, I think, in the fourth quarter. It's total. Uh, it might, yeah, it actually might be, it might be in, in the 40s at this point. And it's just every game this team just loses in the fourth quarter. And in only one of those games, did it not cost them? And like we said, like that's only because Cunningham's three pointer missed, right? Like that. They were at what, 19 at one point? In they that were at 19 in, in that opener. So um, I think in this one, the, the, the offense is such a problem. Um, the yeah. first half, they were making shots. The second half, not so much. They shot just 39.6% overall in the second half. Brooklyn shot 55% yep. in the second half. They go 9 of 17 on three-pointers, which ended up being the equalizer for them. Miami, 6 of 20 on three-pointers in that second half. So some of this was just misses. But to your point, too, I'm not like – I didn't watch a ton of those second-half looks and being like, yeah, those they should have shot a better percentage based on the – the degree of difficulty of those shots, it's like, yeah, 39%, that feels about right for the kind of shots that they were getting. They had a really hard time with Brooklyn's length as that game went on. It felt like it wasn't so much a problem in that first quarter, but Brooklyn kept switching. They kept switching. They were playing so physically, bumping guys off the line. Um, and and I, I kind of feel like that wore on Miami a little bit to the point where maybe they weren't as uh, intentional, to use Spo's word. On offense, uh, they kind of were bailing themselves out and just basically hoping for Tyler Hero, who had 30 points tonight, to bail them out too. Weirdly, this was like the best game of the big three, like the most productive game of the big three <laughs> of the season. 30 points for Tyler, 21 points and 14 rebounds for Bam. And Jimmy Butler, with his best game of the season, 20 points on 7-16 to 16 shooting, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. Um, but it was everybody else that just really wasn't able to step up. Yeah, and this just feels like the same game that we've seen played out over the last couple of seasons, over and over again. They struggle offensively. They can't generate any easy looks. It's just such a sore for them to find a way to so, to find a way to score, to get easy looks. They have no solution. Nobody who bails them out. Like, Tyler is their best offense, and even he is, like, dribbling, dribble, dribble, and then all of a sudden he could get, you know, gets the shot, and maybe it'll fall. In tonight's case, it did. So that was the only source of easy offense. Nothing else came easily for them at all, despite whatever production – Bama Jimmy had most of that came from the line to be honest with you. I asked a bunch of people this at the arena before the game. I said, at what point do we panic about this Miami Heat team? Like, what's their record have to be? Uh, I got a lot of different kinds of answers. A lot, most of it was, hey, it's too early. And I agree with that. It's, it was too early before the game. Um, you know, three and seven in their first 10 games, something like that. If, 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 if at any point they get to five games below 500, that's probably reason to panic. But this game against Brooklyn, they're injured. This was a winnable game. They've got the Wizards, who stink, on Friday coming into town. Uh, and this is, you know, they've got some winnable games coming up. You know, they do have the Lakers. They're a tough team. But the, the Hornets, the Hawks, like, this was one this of those games. Win- this was one of the winnable games. So I now, I also, I asked the question now after the game, given the, the, the degree of disappointment with that collapse, the fact that they should have just, they should have just won this game, man. Like, Spo said this after the game. He's like, there were so many moments where we had like a 12, 14, 15 point lead. And it felt like a couple, you string together a couple more good possessions and that lead could easily balloon to 20, 20 plus. And at that point, you basically put Brooklyn away, but Brooklyn just hung in there and they hung in there and they hung in there and the Heat could just never quite put them away. And it just feels like this team can't do that with its personnel. Um, but to go back to my original question, like, is is this the point where where you can panic given that they've now dropped another game, let another team come back. This time they lost it. Now they're they're one and four to start the season. Panic is extreme. I think, you know, at no point in time, I think right now, have we seen anything that's panic worthy because this isn't a typical for them. This is who they've been for the last couple of seasons. These same kind of grinded out games, finding a way to win. 
in the fourth quarter, blowing big leads. This is pretty consistent with who they've been, regardless of the personnel. You could look to Gabe Vincent and Max Struess and whomever else has been injured or not on this roster the last couple of seasons. It hasn't changed the way they've played. They've always done this. Jimmy Butler has said so, and I agree with him. I think this is just the version of this team, unfortunately. And that's not a great thing. That's just hmm. who they are. They find a way to win more often than not. They just haven't done so so far this season. But I think you start to get kind of a bigger scale picture if you drop eight games below 500. I think at that point, if you go two and 10, maybe even two of nine, then all of a sudden you're finding yourself in a hole that you might not be able to find a way out of. It's too deep to get out of because you're just not good enough. Like if you go eight games below 500, yeah. is there any way that you're going to make up those games just to get to 500 over the course of the season, considering how Miami has been struggling offensively and can't really seem to win a, a fair number of games like that. They just, they're, it doesn't seem realistic. Their next five games. If we want to talk about the first 10, uh, we're five games into the season. They play the wizards on Friday here. They play the Lakers on Monday here. And then they're back on the road, Memphis uh, in Atlanta. And then um, in San Antonio on the second night of a back to back. They, they need to win every game out from over that stretch. I mean, Look, I'm not, not I'm not panicking now. I'm with you, but my I, like we're not sounding the alarms. But my my finger is over the big red button, and I'm I'm getting anxious. And, why, and there's the, been signs that this team, like you said, like this is just who they are. Right. Well, that's a problem. That is a problem. So it's that is a problem. Um, this is not a team that has necessarily dominated the regular season, but they've not been this bad to start regular seasons either. And so it feels like this is worse than in previous years. And I get it. Like Jimmy's missed a game. Bam's missed a game. They haven't had Caleb Martin for the regular season, but That's, I really don't know how much that kind of stuff I, matters. This team, but think about what you just said. Like, I mean, Jimmy and Bam can miss a game at this point in the season, but we're looking to Caleb Martin. We were looking at Haywood Highsmith. Like where is the solution that seems realistic mm. and also kind of puts things in perspective. Like Caleb's a great player. We like him very much, but he's also Caleb freaking Martin. Two years ago, he wasn't even in the league basically until, you know, Jay Cole makes the right call to Karan Butler and gets him on the roster. Like that's not a knock on who Caleb is. We we big sure. fans of him on these parts, but that's not the solution. And and you've heard this team. Caleb go, Martin's on the difference between four and one and one and four. No. So you've heard supposed to say next man up, next man up. Well, who's the next man who's going to come and make mm. offense flow easily for this roster? Cause he's not on this roster right now. Well, we're going to talk about that later on in the show. And then we've got Blame Pie to hand out here on Locked on Heat. That's coming up. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Sports Made Easy with the basketball season here. You can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey had a two and a half, ten and a half combo of three pointers made and receptions. That sounds like a pretty good idea. Price Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return for the second, that player is rebooted. So Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an insurance injury insurance policy. Uh, it just it's, it makes it so much easier, and right now, this is the best opportunity for you. Go to pricepicks.com. Slash Lockdown NBA. Use the code Lockdown NBA for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash Lockdown NBA to get a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize picks, making daily fantasy sports made easy. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen 
every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Let's scan out some blame pie here. We've got 10 slices of blame pie to give out. David, it's disappointing. I really enjoy the credit cookies version of this segment. Uh, we've only got to do that once this year. Um, I've lost my sweet tooth. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even want any pie. <laughs> I'm full. I'm full on blame pie. Um, I think we could skip Tyler, Bam, and Jimmy. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, we voiced concerns about Jimmy in the last episode. And I think, you know, after a subpar game, taking a game off due to injury or whatever rest and the second night of back-to-back, I think he looked pretty engaged. There was even uh, one of his signature, you know, interceptions in the passing lane igniting a fast break opportunity for him. Uh, And so that was... I think he is limited in his mobility. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, he does not look. We're still out. dealing with the the. We it was revealed that there was a tendonitis thing going on with that right knee, which is a issue. This is the same knee that's given him problems over the last basically three years now. But he made one of those sort of physical, like let me put my elbow into you jumpers from like five feet away. That's for most of the season been coming up short for him. He made it tonight, so yeah. His best game of the season, I guess. If you're trying, if you're looking for positives, that's one of them. Yeah, that's right. Other than that, though, I think I, I don't know. Do we want to start with Eric Spolstra? Do we want to start with Josh Richardson? Let's start with Josh Richardson because I think that could kind of feed into our conversation on Spo. Josh Richardson tonight, thirty minutes, one of nine shooting, four points. He was a minus thirteen, which was the worst on the team. Um, one of five from three point range, late in the game, inexplicably taking a, sh- a three pointer. Contested three-pointer with lots of time in the shot clock. Off balance. Uh, was just, no reason for it. I, It was not Josh Richardson's best game. He looked sloppy out there at best. If it wasn't sloppy, it was indecisive. Defensively, he had moments, but defensively, he also had moments where it didn't look very good and he was getting blown by. Um, I don't know that he's in the rotation if Caleb Martin is healthy. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, he was in at the end of the game. He was part of that closing lineup, which I guess is, part, is kind of part of the Spo conversation that we want to have. But... Josh Richardson, I think we could start easily with, I mean, four? dude, you played starters minutes. Yeah, four. I was going to say three. I think four is fine. Four slices. Of I, was, slices. I, was, I know this is kind of, again, tying into Spo. I was wondering, why is he even out here? And yeah, I did look closely at him. I was watching him towards the end of the game trying to figure it out. If his offense isn't doing it and defensively, it doesn't look great, at least when he's on ball. His off ball work was pretty good. He was shielding Camp Thomas. He was shielding Mikael Bridges, trying to do a really good job of limiting their touches. But that's not nearly enough. Like, that doesn't warrant him being in, in there at the end of the game. And Haywood Highsmith, who had made, what, four three-pointers, was out and not on the floor. That was a weird thing, man. So that closing lineup was it was Josh Richardson, Tyler Hero, Jimmy, Bam, and Kyle Lowry, right? Did I get that right? Yeah. Yes. Um, that was the closing lineup. I was, I, you know, we're just sitting there talking on Media Row. I was like, same thing. Like, why is Josh in there? Why not Haywood Highsmith? Uh, the other the other option would have been, I guess, Duncan Robinson, but he had four fouls at that point, and and I guess Bo was he wanted too. more. Yeah, it wasn't a great night for him. He's probably got some blame pie. Duncan Robinson, one of six from three point range, wasn't a great game for him. But uh, I would have went with Highsmith. I don't know because it was his first game back. If they were trying to be careful, he played twenty two minutes tonight. Was there sort of sort of minutes restriction on him around that number? Is maybe the only thing I could really think of. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I wish I would have asked Folster about this after the game, but. I would have went with Haywood there. I mean, if you need defense, he's better than Josh. If you need offense, he was shooting better than Josh. Uh, it was a little strange. So I, I think, um, you know, not knowing whether or not the training staff put a minutes limit on Haywood Highsmith, I think that Spolster does get some blame tonight. Spolster also made some good calls, had that good challenge, uh, getting uh, Haywood Highsmith foul reversed enough. into a block. So I don't think it was a terrible coaching game. And again, 
you can kind of go make or miss on this thing. Like the Brooklyn Nets just caught fire in that second half. You had guys that I never even heard of. Armani Brooks. Yeah, he was amazing. <laughs> he looks like an all-star. He had 17 points tonight. Um Trenton Watford making Fine. huge three-pointers in the corner. Um, he had 11 points. Uh, Lonnie Walker, 17 points. So you just had some of these weird, like random scrub heat killer things happening to them. But um, I don't know how much, how many slices for Spo. Let's let's just settle that. I kind of want to just go two there. Um, as I say, one or two is fine. Duncan, I think it's two as well. So that leaves us with two, four, Jaime. eight. Jaime, I think should get some. Unfortunately, I, I think give him two. Oh for six tonight. I like that he kept shooting though. I think we're giving somebody too many there. If we're adding your math here, no, Jaime, look. <sighs> Spoh said after the game, he was making winning plays. And I suppose he still brings that energy and effort and everything else like that. But Starting in place for Kevin Love. Starting in place for Kevin Love, but his three-point shot, just not great. And he wasn't doing anything offensively other than that, really. Like, I mean, he just he hit one shot, I think it was. Yep. Yeah, one so, for nine overall. Um, that's and look, problematic. It's, it's, like, I mean, you can only have so many guys giving you great effort like Josh, like Heineken. Yeah. But if they're going to cost you um, that much on the offensive end, I don't give a damn what they're doing defensively if they're not able to generate some kind of points. You're either going to be a, a net neutral or you're going to be a net negative at that point. That's it, what it was the case was tonight. It's such a great point. It's like you could give me all the effort in the world, but if you're one for nine at some point, that's like you, you got to have production, right? And this is why they went, for example, for a guy like Thomas Bryant off the bench, and it wasn't a great night for him either. Uh, and actually, he probably deserves a, a slice of blame pie too. So I don't know how many slices we've given out, but he was a minus nine, and I thought his defense was atrocious tonight. Yeah. But, um, you go for a guy like him that is maybe a little bit lower of a floor than somebody like Cody Zeller, but Cody Zeller is just an effort, big, good screen setter, kind of solid dude, but he's not, he's not entirely productive. Right. And with Thomas Bryant, you at least have a ceiling of, well, maybe he can give us 12 points off the bench. And that could be something that swings a game for us. Um, Jaime, look, I, I, the expectations is a fair thing to bring up. He's a rookie. He was, but he was thrust in, and he was thrust into a starting jo- uh, spot right now with Kevin Love out. But when you're a starter and you're playing those minutes, I'm sorry, I don't care if you're a rookie. I don't care if you've been in the league for 20 years. There are certain expectations that come with that, and there's certain things that you have to do, and you don't get to just be fun, winning plays, effort guy anymore. You have to produce. And when you're missing shots, I like that he was taking the shots. I like that he was confident. He always looked confident in taking that shot. The three pointer that isn't really a, a strong part of his game anyway going well, into the draft was that was to. the question yeah I, but i like that he was taking them so i i you have to kind of give him blame pie because you just have to because he missed the shots at the end of the day but but that's a specific to tonight kind of thing zooming out i like that he did it i like that he did it and that's i think fair. it's a positive if you're looking at it from that perspective but i also want to know exactly why it was that his role changed so much from where it'd been earlier throughout the season like he got to start recently and he played well in that role and now tonight, no off-ball movement, no cutting on the along the baseline, none of the because Jimmy and Bam were both playing a lot with them. And when they clog the paint, you are you have to just so stand in the corner and try to space the. So floor. then that goes back to kind of on spoke. He should, probably should not have started Jaime. Who would he you probably, have started? Probably Haywood Highsmith. You and I talked about it before. Yeah, I, I thought it was a possibility that they go Hawkins because of the smaller Brooklyn lineup. But you know, if that's the case, and you're going to take him out of his strengths where he's providing all this off-ball cutting and movement that allows passing lanes to open up and things that's sort of creating some spacing that way, then if you can't do that because you've got Jimmy and Bam clogging the paint to a certain degree, he's not a catch-and-shoot guy, at least not at this point in his career. Um, what can the Heat do to improve offensively with the players that they have now? That's the question that we're going to tackle after this.
Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL and NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use with a wide range of betting options, including spreads, Player props, over unders, and more. The Heat's over under forty four and a half wins going to the season might have been. <laughs> you took the <laughs> over. I took the over, and it's not looking good right now for me. I did take the under. Visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown and kick off the NFL and NBA season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL and NBA. Thanks again for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Every dayers, make sure you tune in for the rest of the week. We're gonna dive deep into what is going on. <laughs> with the Heat's start to the season. But we do have some right. questions uh, and, and some immediate reactions here. Let's get to this first one from ex-Heat Lifer. And you know what? I get it. Um, <laughs> how can the Heat improve offensively with what they got? What do you think? I think it's a matter of, again, health certainly will help. Like, I, I, we can't dismiss it altogether. Yes, next man up only works so well if you have a limited amount of talent. But if you're counting on these guys that are, mid-level talents to be able to step up on a night-to-night basis yes you need them to be healthy but you also have to find the right combination we just talked about Hawkins and how he was basically minimized in whatever role he was out there as a starter yep. that falls on Spo to kind of figure it out if you want to use this five game sample size to kind of test it that's fine I also think and maybe I've been banging this drum a little too loudly since last year even but I think Nikola Jovic gives you a dynamic that isn't there with anybody else on this team we saw that in their comeback against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, wait, was it Timberwolves? No. What was the most recent game? Monday. Which one? Oh, Monday. Who they beat Monday? Or who they play Monday? Who they lose to on Monday? Yeah, that was. <laughs> was that the Mil- oh Milwaukee? Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Sorry, yeah, where they came back with Jovic on the floor. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think there's something to be said about testing different combinations mm-hmm. out, figuring out exactly who plays best, and and trying to get the most out of them so that they can mesh offensively. You can, I guess, change your shot diet a little bit, go more three-point heavy, not as much in the mid-range option, but I don't think that's that likely to happen. No, I mean, they took 38 three-pointers tonight. I thought the looks, like like you look at the box score, and you're like, yeah, man, they should have won this game. And they, you know, you only lose by four points, I guess. But that, you know, obviously strips away all of the context to this one. Um, I think the Jovic thing is fair. He got no minutes tonight. Um you know, we did wonder, okay, maybe he would be the one getting the start in Kevin Love's place. Right. Obviously, that didn't happen. He didn't play at all. And he doesn't look like he's going to be part of this rotation at all. We actually have a question from Josh who writes in, what is Spo doing with these rotations? And that kind of feeds into this other question that we're we're answering now. It feels like we have more clarity on what Eric Spolstra's rotation is going to be, right? The starting lineup with everybody healthy will be the starting lineup. It's, it's Lowry, Tyler, Jimmy Butler, Kevin Love, Bam Adebayo. And then you're going to have probably Caleb Martin taking Josh Richardson's minutes. Jaime Hakas Jr. probably is out of the rotation. Haywood Highsmith is in the rotation with Duncan Robinson, Thomas Bryant coming off the bench. And that's your top nine. Now, maybe there's ways to shoehorn Jaime in there for, as her 10th man. Maybe they'll find a way to do that. But that basically takes Jovic out as well as Drew Smith and Orlando Robinson. Um, you can't afford to take Duncan Robinson out of the rotation because his three-point shooting is so important to this team. If he's hitting him. Either way, I mean. Either way, you're right. So the right of them, but it's that's kind of an issue with this roster construction. Is Duncan and Tyler Hero are so like they're good players, but they're so 
much more important than they probably ought to be to this team because they're the only floor spacers on the roster. And so when you get into situations where Jimmy and Bam are on the court together, then everybody else basically has to stay on the perimeter and guys like Jaime isn't, aren't able to get to their games. Tyler and Jimmy Butler have not been able to coexist on the court basically ever. And Spolstra has now essentially broken up their minutes completely other than when the starting lineup is in there and, and staggered them. You've got now kind of this whole platoon unit in that second line coming in led by Tyler Hero with all these other bench guys that actually gets out and runs and plays with a lot more pace than that starting unit. And so he's splitting up Jimmy and Tyler that way. That's sort of been Spo's fix, but there's just, there's a roster construction problem here. And I don't, in terms of trying to figure out a solve for what it is that they have, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. Maybe Jovic can give you something but it's not taking you from one of the bottom 10 offenses to uh, an above average offense. It's not, no. that's not, it's not going to do that. Yeah. So I don't know that there is an answer. Ken writes in, is it unrealistic of us as fans to want transactions to fix this roster? It seems like carnival isn't as profitable as it used to be. And they gambled and lost on Larry and Duncan contracts. So Mickey isn't putting out any new money. Um, that's an interesting take to blame the cruise line, but uh, is it unrealistic for fans to want transactions to fix this roster? I think it has to be at this point. I think, one, there are financial concerns from the front office, but moreover, it's just a matter of the players that are available. Who's going to be the fix for this team? And I don't know if, you know, we look to Kyle Lowry's salary or Duncan Robinson's salary, as you pointed out in the question, and say maybe you could package those and get a decent player back, but it doesn't work quite that easily. You have to give up a lot of drafts, assets in order to be able to facilitate a deal like that there's not a real likely solution on the wings there so i don't know i i, I think to answer the question point blank yes it's unrealistic mm-hmm. they're not going to make those changes at any point in time I, I i don't know what's what let's phrase it this way if they reach that point of no return that we talked about the panic level is that when they make a move in season for the first time and i don't even know how long uh 2020 right would have been the last time when they did the iguodala Jay Crowder do. And that was shortly before the trade. Uh, that and that was, a, that was a trade. We're not including like Kevin Love on the buyout. Like we're not including that. Right. Um, and that was the first I, year of the Jimmy Butler experiment when they, a, they, they went beyond expectations of when they added him to it. And the trade deadline might be too far away. That's February. Yeah. So if we get to that point where we're going from hovering over the Same finger, hovering Christmas. over the panic button to jamming that panic button. Yeah. You look what the Clippers just did. They didn't like what they looked. They traded for James Harden. I think something more urgent needs to happen, whether it's internally and they find some sort of solve for whatever Miami's problems are or externally where they do have to make a trade. There are things that are not working with this roster. There are things that are not working on this roster and they know that. And they actually tried to address this stuff over the off season, but couldn't pull off a Damian Miller trade and the things that they wanted to do. They, they need to upgrade the Kyle Lowry spot. How do they do that? Does Kyle, the problem with Kyle Lowry is that his expiring contract does have value potentially to some other teams, but not so much now as it would at the trade deadline when teams are trying to get off contracts then and and kind of have a better idea of, yeah, maybe we're going to try to tank in February. I don't think any teams are right now ready to go ahead and tank um, to that degree. So what does that leave you with? You can't trade Duncan Robinson. He's too important to this team right now, especially for what they need to do offensively. So I don't know. Swider's not ready. For those that might be suggesting that he's the next three-point marksman in line, he's not there. He's, He's not getting playing time. So... Is it unrealistic for fans to want a transaction right now? Probably. It's why I was sort of banging the table for James Harden. I was like, well, it's something, but uh, obviously that's no longer an option. Uh, But I think it could be something by 
closer to February, by the trade deadline in February. I think that that's something that the Heat are going to have to explore. I think it's something that they will explore. I don't know that they'll necessarily do it. That's hard to predict because of a million different variables. Right. Uh, but right now, this is something that needs to be fixed internally. There's nothing on the outside that they can do that makes sense because I just don't know that it, you need, you know, it takes two to tango. You need another team to be out there willing to make a trade this early in the season. And that so rarely happens. Like this James Harden trade was so rare, right? Like you never see trades like a week and a half into the season, unless actually it involves James Harden. Then it kind of happens all the time. But um, Let me, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to say, I, th- I think, you know, kind of tying into what we were saying before about the panic meter and everything else like that, like the, the heat can flip the switch. Like they can fix this to the degree where they'll win a number of games here, win a little bit more, a number of games and down the road. Yeah. And they'll get back to 500 or flirt to a couple games over 500. None of which is a long-term fix. They could flip the switch for the, the case of this season. They'll win enough in the regular season and they'll do what they do during the postseason, perhaps. But none of it is necessarily the kind of fix that we're looking at. When you look at this game and what they're doing in the first half, they're still struggling offensively and their managers lead basically because of Brooklyn's incompetence in the first half. And then Brooklyn kind of flipped the switch for themselves yep. in the second half in Miami. Well, they did not. So not hitting the panic meter yet, but we know where it is and we're ready to push it. If <laughs> push that button, if we have <laughs> pretty to. close um, the next game, Friday night at Kaseya center against the Washington in season tournament in season tournament starts. We're, Check out the new court, the bright red court. Very interested to see that uh, in person, but um. Yeah, we'll we'll dive into what's going on here. We've got a bunch more questions from you guys. Maybe we'll do a mailbag tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, maybe that could be a good idea. So send it. those questions in if you have them on Twitter at lockdownheat. Email us lockdownheat at gmail.com or send them uh, to us on Instagram. You can find us on Instagram, lockdownheat over there as well. But for now, thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow us on your favorite podcast app. Say pause.